Welcome to the Unlocking Unlimited Potential Stories podcast. My name is Dr. Brandon Beck, and I am so excited for you to be here to join us today. This podcast was originally a live show that was aired across several different social media platforms. The goal of this show is to amplify the stories of amazing people, which serve as inspiration for your journey. Your story matters. It tells us who you are and who you want to be. Enjoy this opportunity to hear from these innovative thought leaders as they discuss what it means to unlock unlimited potential. If you are looking for an opportunity to connect further with me after this show, please visit brandonbeckedu.com to learn more about my speaking, coaching, consulting, and other offerings that are designed to help you and your organization find greater results in your journey. Uh, unlocking unlimited potential means to me finding the best in yourself so you can actually help inspire that in others. Unlocking unlimited potential means the work is not about you. It's about seeing the greatness in others and using your own story and your own vulnerability to unleash the potential that others have. It means going for it. It means taking fear, doubt, and worry. Those gremlins that are whispering in your ear, invite them in. Make them some coffee, tell them to have a seat, and tell them that you're gonna watch they're gonna watch you get after it. Fear, doubt, and worry has to be managed. Looking in the mirror and seeing yourself differently. It's hard enough to get a student to see who they are, but now try to get them to see who they can become. And that will make all the difference in the world. Be unapologetically you. That everyone has a story and everyone has something to bring to the table. That I understand that I am enough. Empowering yourself to own your story. We limit ourselves to what we think is gonna happen and we don't open the doors to the possibility of what's next. It's knowing who you are now and then doing anything necessary into becoming who you want to be. Well, I want you to know that inside of you exists an unlimited potential, and I believe in it. And one reason that I believe in it is because inside of us is a potential that once we learn how to control it and harness it and live it with passion, that we'll be able to spread it through our schools and our classrooms and through our communities and into our world like wildfire. Join me on the journey as we explore together unlocking unlimited potential. And I can't wait to be on this journey with you. Welcome everybody to the Unlocking Unlimited Potential Stories show. Man, am I excited to finally Get this guy in the same virtual room, of course, because it's not a real room, but it's good to kind of nail him down and get here. Dr. Dave Schmidt. Dave, how you doing? 
Man, I, I am fired up. That's quite the intro you got there, dude. There's some <laughs> some powerhouses there dropping some wisdom and truth. If that doesn't get you going, I don't know what will. This is fun. Gets me going every time I watch it. It's like my uh, it gets me rolling. It's I need to have it like playing as like an alarm clock as I wake up every morning. <laughs> right? It is. It is. So, Dave, you've been busy, man. You are really, you know, we were just talking on the pre-show a little bit. You've been all over the place. You've been doing a lot. Obviously, you come to us with a wide range of experience. A lot of people that watch this show know who you are through your work that you do with the Teach Better team. You've been a 2014 Principal of the Year. You've been the 2018 College Educator of the Year. You have all the accolades. You also have the Lasting Learning Podcast. You're just all around a great guy, right? You have uh, the, the assessment going for you. You have a book called Bold Humility, which I look forward to diving into kind of all the pieces of everything today. And it's great to have you on the show. How's everything going over there where you are now in down south in Florida? Yeah, you, you know, you, you hit it. I, I'm busy. Um, but I would challenge and say most people probably don't know who I really am. I mean, people might know what I look like. They might know some of those things that you just mentioned. But all, all of that stuff is is fluff compared to the person I, I really am. And person I really am filled with a lot of flaws, a lot of mistakes, uh, a lot of history, a lot of baggage that we're working every day to try to overcome and just get better. So um, I, I appreciate you just blowing some smoke and making it seem like I'm doing a lot of cool things. And, you know, I do get to do quite a few cool things and hang out with a lot of amazing people, but it's all in this quest to just keep getting better every day, man. And that's what we are all trying to achieve each and every day. I love that. And, you know, I think something you know, that you you talk a lot about as well in your work. I've had a chance to kind of connect with you in a lot of different ways. You know, we talk about your story a little bit. Let's kind of talk a little bit about the story from administrator to author to, you know, college and, you know, beyond. Let's talk a little bit about your journey so far. Oh, man, this is how much time do we have today, Brandon? Because uh, <laughs> I mean, as I can take you need. I could take you. I could take you back and pretend I'm in a leather couch here and just start talking to the doctor if you want. But um, you know, my, my, I'll say my journey where I am right now began 40 plus years ago, man. When I was back in in third grade, I, I've told many people the story before, but I'll, I'll share it with people that haven't heard it before. But back in third grade, um, third grade was probably the most impactful year of my education. Third grade, I had the most amazing teacher ever, Mrs. E. Foster. She uh, empowered me. She encouraged me. She exhilarated me. She was absolutely amazing. But one of the things that Miss E. Foster did for me was uh, she gave me a few labels along with uh, my own name label. She gave me the label of gifted. She gave me the, the label as smart. And she said some things to me that sent me on a, a course that, if I'm being completely honest, uh, probably wasn't the most healthy because she told me some things like, Dave, things will always come easy to you. Things will oh, Things are just natural for you. You just get it. And I spent 40 plus years of my life believing that statement, believing that things were just supposed to always come easy for me, that uh, that I had it, or there were these magical light bulbs that just went off in my head that didn't necessarily go off in other people's heads. And I went through middle school, high school, college, believing all of those things, began my career believing all those things, started my career as a teacher um, 23 years ago. And I remember after my first year of teaching, I thought, yeah, I've got this. I've, I've nailed this. I can go out and I can be a leader. I can be a principal. I can start my own school. I can do this way better than everybody else can. And uh, 
<laughs> man, man, was I wrong. But, you know, I went on 16 job interviews to become a building leader before I even got a sniff and got a second interview anywhere. Um, I got so mad at the system for rejecting me. I went to law school thinking I'm going to be a lawyer and I'm going to sue schools that obviously don't understand how great I am. I'm going to be that person that's out there um, advocating with parents and with the system and society who is coming at schools because schools are so clueless. They're missing out on this greatness. When I finally got my first sniff as an administrative job, I thought my job was to create itty bitty schmitties or smaller versions of me. Because obviously I was so great and so good. Everybody else just needed to copy my lead and do exactly what I did. And it was it just became this this vicious, vicious cycle. Yeah, I did win a few awards. I did get the, the opportunity to get some certificates that I hang on the wall. And those things went went to my head. And I just used those as validation of how great I was. And it wasn't until probably four and a half, five years ago that I was smacked in the face with some reality and and some life challenges where I realized, wow. I have missed the mark. I've been so focused on me and my goals and my ambitions that I've missed truly my purpose, my calling, which is I, I, I pour everything I can into right now, lifting up others and trying to amplify the voices of all the people around me, trying my best to recognize that it's not the Schmidt show. Um, anything I have is, is there just to try to amplify others. So it's been a bumpy ride, man, but uh, we're getting there. And I think if we were to say that, you know, anything about your journey was easy, you know, it'd be it, we'd be lying, you know, and I think that that's, you know, what I love is that you're able to sit here and you're able to say, well, because of this, I am now this much better. And I think that that's a, a key point to it. And I think that that's, I think that perspective, and I think that your way of looking at it all is kind of just giving you more and more fuel for that fire to keep going. And I love that. And I've always loved that. And you know, it's interesting, because it drives me right to this point. So Way back when, back in December, when this book was published, Unlocking Unlimited Potential, I reached out to some authors and that was kind of, you know, we had connected before that and we had, and I said, you know, I kind of looked for my list of people with all a wide range of, uh, you know, experience. And I reached out to you and one of the chapters was titled, When One Door Closes, A Virtual One Opens. And was just kind of looking for different kinds of perspectives from different kinds of educators in different parts of the world. Um, and how they saw it. And I just want to read one part because it kind of goes along with what you're just saying. So you said, in 2020, while so many others are praying that doors will open for them, a prayer I fully understand, I've learned to accept that some doors are closed and some need to stay that way. Because of a new outlook and des a desire to get the door slammed on my face from time to time, my heart and mind are exactly are and actually healthier than they ever have been. And I'm so grateful for the opportunities that have been stripped away, allowing me to finally focus more on my network than my net worth. After all, that's what really matters most. So that's still true in what you just said right there. Let's dig into that a little bit. Talk a little bit about those doors closing in your face. Yeah, you know, I'm, I'm going to say some things that I, I know others will push back against, and I completely understand their mindset behind uh, what they say and what they believe. So I'm, I'm speaking only for me personally right now and not necessarily advocating for, for anybody else. So if, if you push back against this, people just know that this is the Dave Schmidt version, the Dave Schmidt story. But, you know, I, I listened to a lot of people um, early on in my career, um, even maybe 10, 15 years ago when I was first starting to, to write and speak, people that would tell me, you know, when a wall gets put in front of you, knock it down. Go um, be, be a bulldozer, be a wrecking ball and knock down doors. And 
you know, create a path for yourself. And I believed in that and I bought into it. And unfortunately, as a result, I went into a lot of wrong doors. I opened up some doors that I that should have stayed closed for me. I went into some spaces that should have stayed um, off limits to me. I uh, I believed that I was the one who who mattered most. I, I I didn't care about other people's opinions. I didn't value other people's feedback. When somebody would tell me something that bristled against something that I I already believed or knew about myself, if it conflicted with my own beliefs, I would simply reject it and push it away and charge straight ahead. And as a result, like I said the grass was always greener. As a result, I was constantly knocking things down and pushing people, products, services, places out of my way to just continue on this this, uh, this quest for who knows what. I just wanted to be bigger, badder, more prolific than the older version of me and everybody around me and just started knocking things down. And it wasn't until, again, just a couple of years ago, I, I started to, to realize the error of my ways. And I started to recognize that life has this way of sometimes trying to force you in, in a very specific path. And that path is not, it, it's rarely a straight line. Oftentimes it zigs and it zags and it twists and goes round and about just like a river does. And sometimes you have to be willing to simply follow the landscape. You have to be willing to, to recognize that water has a very difficult, difficult time flowing upstream just as, as we do. And at times you have to be willing to curve and adjust with circumstances as opposed to plowing straight ahead. And over the last couple of years, I have specifically started looking for doors to close. I've specifically started looking for opportunities that should not be there to, to, to erode in front of me so that my path can be a little bit straighter. You know, we, we were talking before we went live here on how busy life is right now and how often I'm, I'm flying and working and doing things all over the place. And part of that is because of my inability to say no to things. I, I say yes to everything. So because I have this inability to say no, sometimes I have to lean into other people to, to offer rejection and to say no. And I have to be willing to hear that feedback, acknowledge that feedback so that I can go forth with focused intentionality and a focused intensity to do the things I'm called to do as opposed to trying to do all the things all the time. Yeah, and I think, you know, all of what you're saying right there is just the story of vulnerability and, you know, being able to number one, nobody tells your story better than you. Right. And being able to hear you say and share that story and hear it coming from, you know, your voice is really the best way for it to be told because you're standing there saying, looking back on it all, like I am who I am now and I'm happy who I am now. And there were times along the way where I made mistakes. And I think that that's a common uh, theme sometimes, especially with a lot of educational leaders, especially with a lot of people who have a message, or people who have a book, people who have a brand, have a following, have a consulting, all of those things. You know, a lot of people who watch this show are entrepreneurs. And I think that sometimes we think we have to go in and have to all, have all the answers. And I think that sometimes we have to go in there with this big, like, this is my way and this is the way that only I can do. But yet, we're, it's not necessarily about that. It's about, you know, what's deeper, what's below the surface, what's really, what is really the Dave Schmidow, what's really the Brandon Beck that's behind that, that's going to be the follow-up. And, you know, we talk a little bit about your work with the Teach Better team. I mean, here you are showing up on, you know, live, live daily drop-ins. You're here, you're supporting others in different masterminds and things like that. So talk a little bit about the creation and, and the story behind that a little bit, because it seems like, 
that's been something for you that's kind of come along in the last year and a half that really has been, you know, aligned with the vision that you were just talking about. Yeah, you know, if, if I'm being completely honest and being selfish in this, my relationship with uh, the people of the Teach Better team has been completely therapeutic for me. It's an opportunity for me to kind of sink back into the background a little bit and not have to be the guy in control and to be in the lead. Um, I am able to, to support and just be there for others. You know, you mentioned masterminds and daily drop-ins. Those are simply opportunities for me to try to amplify others, to facilitate conversations with, with other people who I can truly look to and say, wow, you have more wisdom, you have more knowledge than I do. Let's tap into that. It's it's not one of those things like like I used to do or where I, I used to feel trapped where I had to be the guy with the microphone. I had to guide the conversation. I had to have the last word, the first word, the middle word. I was always thinking about the retort to something you were saying. Now I can simply sit back and help facilitate conversations and learn from some amazing people all over the country and really all over the world right now. You know, the, the idea of it being more about my network than my net worth this is that is the prime example right there that that work is allowing my network to grow and allowing me to to meet and learn from new people more than I'm growing my bank account that's for sure yeah and we talk about on this show we rise by lifting others and that's a common theme and I think I say it in every single show just because I'm always reminded by it when I talk to the people that come on and you know, one thing we do in this show is we dedicate each show to someone who's out there unlocking unlimited potential and all whom they serve. And you know this person, I know this person. We gotta give a massive shout out to Carly Spina. Give her a shout out at Mrs. Spina's class. She's an amazing person. I had the chance to see her at the Define University uh, conference. And I've also had a chance to connect with her over the past year through everything going on but an amazing educator, you know, multilinguals, um, great stories that she has working with students who are from, you know, multiple cultural backgrounds, a wide variety of cultural backgrounds and just awesome stuff. So shout out to her. Awesome job. Give us a little shout out for Spina there. Yeah, I got to just tell you a personal story about Spina. Um, Spina, as I, as I call her, because she's just amazing. But um, so my daughter, I've got a, a 10 year old little girl who has a lot of interests and skill sets that, that I don't ha that I don't possess. She loves fashion. She loves makeup. She loves all of those things, which you look at me, I'm a t-shirt, baseball cap backwards kind of guy. But Carly Spina, that is her specialty. So back in January on my my 10 year old little girl's birthday, she had a couple of girls come spend the night. Carly Spina allowed my daughter to Zoom with her and Carly gave her a makeup tutorial with all of her friends for an hour on her birthday for her slumber party. I was just, it's because that's the type of person she is. She's an amazing educator, amazing mom, wife, friend, all those things, but she's just an amazing human being. Absolutely love me some Carly Spina. Shout out to Carly Spina, amazing person, awesome educator as well. Good luck to her in the school year. Yeah, you just kind of talk about, you know, raising up people and the people we've run into, you know, in in kind of the like last couple of years. And, you know, especially, you know, this time during COVID, like was really a time where everybody really reached out to each other, a time where everybody started connecting. And all of a sudden you have this big circle of people that you've never even met in person before. <laughs> but it's growing and, and you've, you're meeting all these amazing, wonderful people, you know. So, you know, looking at the future ahead. You know, you're doing a lot of work right now. I know a lot of your background and your awesome work is with assessments. And, um, you know, what is some of the things that you hope for the future ahead for our schools? You know, I, I hope that 
as educators, whatever your role is, whatever our role is, that we start to embrace the idea that we are part of the system. I, I think in, in education for as long as I can remember, we've been very good at the blame game. Colleges blame, high schools, high schools blame, middle schools, middle schools blame, elementaries, elementaries blame, parents, parents blame, everybody else. And then we also have the government that steps in and they try to do all their things. We, we blame everybody else. We're in our classrooms and we say we're doing everything right. It's that person across the hall that can't get their act together. We, we, we are very, very good at blaming. But I'm hoping that we start getting better at reflecting, that we, we start to recognize that we truly do have the power and influence to change things because we are the system. The system's not the man. It's not the, the people that wear the fancy suits and polish their shoes and all that. We are part of that system. We are part of the solution. We have the power to change things, even if it's in our small little world within our classroom, that one interaction with that one kid, that one interaction with that one parent, that our one opportunity to present at a board meeting, we have the power to change the system into whatever it is that we want it to be. So don't, don't allow these fictitious walls to guide your next steps. Recognize that you truly do have the power to make the change where you are. Wow. Mic drop everywhere. I've seen that so many times too. I've seen it so many times in our careers where we're always blaming the people before us and, you know, or, you know, even now we've been away and now we've had school and now it's been hybrid and it's been, you know, remote and it's been this. And now there's this whole like learning loss, right? That's the big, I, I can't stand it when people say that because it's like just completely takes away from all the work that we've been doing as educators during this time. How do you feel about that statement? Oh, man. Um, so here's the thing. In, in education, we are filled with these Sir Mix-a-Lot moments. We have all these big buts all over the place where we say, I could do that, but I could take my kids where wherever wherever they could go, but their parents, but the community, but the handbook, but the grading policy, but, 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 but. Get rid of the big buts and just do it. You know, learning loss. Ooh, where do I get started on learning loss and this fictitious notion that it was last January when we had people first starting to present the idea of learning loss. We had politicians out there saying we have learning loss that, that is taking place. And that's why we need to give these big, scary tests at the end of the year so that we can measure it and document it, which makes me wonder, how do they know we had this fictitious learning loss if they didn't have the test to, to prove it to begin with? They, they concocted this narrative before they had any evidence to support their claims. Now we have all this big evidence and it's showing that actually our students grew in some areas. Yeah, they fell behind in in other areas, but that happens every single year. We need to now do something with it. We can't look at it and say, well, I can't do anything with it because, or have all these buts, just step up and own it and get Sir Mix-a-Lot out of your head. Ah, I love it. I love it. And in your work, I mean, you're working a lot with assessment and you know what you just said there about state assessments and stuff and i know this is a much longer conversation but what are you finding with schools right now in the ways they're looking at assessment are you seeing them being a little bit more open-minded or are you seeing a lot of people just trying to figure out how to you use data the old way yeah i'm actually extremely excited you know i i i believe that the reason we have all these big, scary state assessments that happen every spring and then we have to wait three months for the results is because as educators, we didn't own our responsibility. We didn't truly look at assessment in this in, in, a, 
in a formative fashion where we said, we're gonna use this to inform our practice and make some necessary corrections. We turned assessment into this evaluative measure where we had to sugarcoat everything and act like everything was was rainbows and sunshine and butterflies were flying all the time. Like we, we, had, to, we had to sugarcoat everything with whatever results we had. Well, states came in and said that can't be true, so we're gonna do things better. And they messed it all up with the way that they implemented their assessment protocols. What we have now is we have a lot of districts and schools and teachers that are stepping up and saying, all right, I know assessment's not going anywhere. I know that I don't trust those big scary assessments. So what can I be doing in my classroom, minute by minute, day by day, to truly measure the progress of my kids so that I can make informed decisions on what's next? We have people everywhere now that are starting to use assessment to plan for what's to come, not what was. And that is so exciting. It is. It really is. And, you know, I think as we look at these assessments and they're coming back and, you know, talking about the value of the student and talking about the multiple ways in which we actually look at what is performance, right? What is achievement? What is a student, you know, looking to achieve in a certain grade level? But then again, is it only, it's not just based on numbers anymore. You know, now we're talking about bigger things and bigger discussions that are happening now. Okay. What's their mental well-being? What's their, you know, what's their ability to be social? What's their ability to be able to problem solve, you know, not so much these black and white skills anymore, but more or less just being open to, Hey, these are things that kids are going to need into the future um, in order to be ready, you know, life ready, not college, not career, but just life ready because all of those things are all rolled into the same. And are you seeing like, as you're going out into these these situations, what are some of the roadblocks that you're running into? Oh, man, I'll tell you the biggest one. Um, and you, you kind of hit it by, by talking about it's not this black and white mentality. So I just got back from um, a couple trips. I was in Louisville. I was in Illinois. Um, I was in Ohio. And one of the conversations I was having with people um, was around the concept that learning is not a light bulb moment. We have this fictitious belief that light bulb is pop on for people or that learning can be measured by this binary got it, don't got it mentality. And I honestly believe that that mindset is what has caused some of our major friction points over the last 20 years in education. We have chased this fictitious got it as though it's this this one moment in time where a light bulb illuminates and now we don't have to go anymore. We, you have mastered that thing. So we're done. And this is what's interesting is I spend 90% of my time talking about standards-based grading and mastery learning. And I fully believe in those concepts and those principles. But we finally have teachers starting to recognize and administrators starting to recognize that they were trying to measure this binary got it, don't got it, which doesn't exist, using assessments that they didn't understand that were spitting out numbers that they had no concept of, 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 of explaining and interpreting and doing anything with. We were measuring Ex, we were measuring internal um, thoughts with external tools, trying to come up with subjective opinions that none, <laughs> none of it made any sense. So we're starting to recognize now that assessment is an art. Assessment measures a process. It measures progress and that it is an infinite quest to grow. It is not binary. It's not got it, don't got it. It's where are you now and how can we get better tomorrow? And I think even the term assessment, like some people hear the term assessment and they're like, whoa, this is <laughs> going to be so much planning, so much effort, so much work. You know, what about that teacher? What's the advice you give to that one? 
Well, I, I actually, I don't necessarily see that. What I see is people hear assessment and they think test, they think judgment, they think label, they think accountability, whether it's, I have to hold the kid accountable or somebody's going to hold me accountable. It, it, the issue is, is never the test. It's never the assessment. It's never the product or the project. It's always the implementation. It's always what we do with it. You know, similarly, like at the state level, you know, we give these big, scary tests. The reason those tests are big and scary is because of all the stuff that we do after test day with the data that we don't understand. Because we start judging kids, we start labeling kids, we start judging teachers and labeling teachers. It's the same thing in classrooms. You know, I, I do a lot of work on standards-based grading, which is really, it's just what symbols do you put on your report that you send home to parents and, and the kids. But the work that goes into that has very little to do with what arbitrary symbol do you use? It's all, what do you do with that symbol? How do you calculate that symbol? What does that lead to in your classroom? And teachers are excited to do that work. It, it is truly exciting work. Once you can remove the idea of labeling and judging and critiquing and criticizing and all of those nasty things that we don't want done to us that we in turn do to kids. So using the assessment as feedback for feedback for your students to kind of keep them moving in the right direction. And the other part of that, too, is how do you use how do you create that feedback? How do you give that feedback to your students, to your, you know, the people around you so that they can keep growing and it can keep going in a direction? Right. Oh, 100 percent. Yeah. I'll say something else that I know people will push back on. And I hope they do. So I hope they actually go and actually do the real research. Wait, we're going to poke the bear on this show? Oh, let's do it. Let's do it. So let's poke for the, the last, bear. For the last 10 years, there have been a lot of people making a lot of money, writing a lot of books, talking about the concept of formative assessment and summative assessment. But the reality is, aside from those personal narratives that people have written and people have said, there is not a shred of academic research that says that there is a benefit to having assessments that are labeled formative or summative. The research says that good assessments should be used formatively and summatively, which means the same assessment should be used as evidence of progress and we should be using it to inform the next steps. What we've done is we've shortchanged that process and said, I'm going to label some things as formative. I'm going to label some things as summative. And then we, we take the formative assessments that we're supposed to be using to inform our practice and we water those down and say, well, they're just practice. They're informal. They don't really tell me a whole lot because they're not very valid and reliable, but that's what we use to inform our practice. And then we take these other assessments that we say are good, they're quality, they're valid, they're reliable, but I, I can't do anything with those because those come at the end of my practice and it's a big summative assessment. And we completely miss the mark and we ruin kids' lives as a result. So educators, take anything you want out of this. Every assessment in your life and the life of your kids is an opportunity to do something different. Any opportunity you collect evidence of your own personal growth, your professional growth, a student's growth is an opportunity to do something next. Use it formatively and summatively. Love it. It's not so much how you do it. It's how you use it to help your students grow. I love that. Well, listen, man, I love everything that I hear. I got to ask you the question that I ask everybody on this show. I got to ask you to finish my sentence because you've been talking about it this entire time unlocking unlimited potential means it means your potential is unlimited i mean focus on that it is an infinite pro process it's an infinite progress you're constantly taking steps to improve don't ever chase got it don't ever chase that moment don't ever chase it whatever that is unless it is constant progress so focus on the unlimited portion of this that you don't chase somebody else. Don't chase an arbitrary moment in time, a momentary accomplishment, a certificate, a label, a title. 
just keep getting better every day. Love it. Yes, man. I'm feeling it. Mic drops everywhere. People can keep up with you. This is your website, right? Schmidt.net. They can also catch you. What what else you got going on? I know you got a busy week. What's happening for you in the future? What do I have going on? Yeah, I'm hitting the road again a little bit uh, next week. I get to spend some time in New Jersey, which is fun. And then more time up in Michigan doing work with a university. Um, bouncing all over the place in the coming days, weeks, um, and just hanging out with cool people like you, man. That's awesome. And we'll be able to catch you on some Teach Better daily drop-ins, I'm sure, soon, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. Shout out to Jeff Gargas and Ray, who are going to be waiting for your seat. I saw the t-shirt the other day that Jeff was wearing. That's pretty sweet. (laughs) That's pretty epic. Yeah. Some people are famous. Some people are infamous. Some people are Dave Schmidt. So... I love it. Well, listen, I appreciate you joining the show. I know you got a busy schedule, so I'm not going to keep you much longer, but everything you've said, all the things you've said, I mean, we started talking about your story and then we walked out into assessments and just got super passionate and could have dove in and made this show three hours in length. But I appreciate you doing this. I appreciate you, everything you're doing out there. It's making a big impact. And so I appreciate you coming on the show. Absolutely, man. I appreciate the invite. Any chance I can hang out with you, I'm there. Absolutely. Remember everybody out there that the journey toward unlocking unlimited potential begins with you. Continue to educate with passion. School year is either starting or it's coming soon for some of you. So I wish you all the best of luck. Continue to remember your why and continue to crush it. And think about all the things that we talked about here with Dave. Dave, have an awesome day. Enjoy the sun out there in Florida and then good luck with all the traveling. I appreciate it. Thanks. This podcast is proud to be a part of the Codebreaker Podcast Network and also the entire family of disruptors at Codebreaker.